Hello and welcome into the Delperdang Sports Report. I am Jack Delperdang. It's been a while, but it's good to be back here um, on the podcast talking about some NFL here today. Not going to do much college, but then I want to dive in a little bit to uh, some college basketball after I recap week 13 in the NFL and give you a preview of week 14 coming up. So that's where we're going to talk about uh, starting in week 13 with the Saints and the Falcons. Saints get the win 21-16. to People like to dispute Sean Payton as a coach because he's had Drew Brees over these last however many years he's been with the Saints. But quietly, the Saints are 8-0 without Drew Brees over the last two seasons. Taysom Hills filled in very nicely his first two touchdown passes of his career this past week. One to Traquan Smith, one to Jared Cook. And... The Saints might also have one of the better defenses in the league. They lead the league in sacks this year, second in interceptions. That pass rush is nasty, led by Cam Jordan. They can get to the quarterback with four. And if they end up playing a team like Kansas City or an explosive offense in the playoffs, it's going to help that they can rush the passer with four. And then they have great cover corners and safeties uh, Marshawn Lattimore is a top five corner in the league. Janoris Jenkins on the other side has a lot of experience in the league. And then uh, at safety, Marcus Williams, he's a ball hawk as well. So I really like what the Saints are doing. I think they're on track to get Drew Brees next, back next week against the Chiefs, actually. So that'll be a good test for them. But I think the Saints are going to come away with the one seat in the NFC. Uh, Vikings and Jags. The Vikings the last couple weeks have really played down to their competition, and it's bitten them in the butt when they played the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys got the win in that one late, um, their first game back with Andy Dalton. But the Vikings have won five of their last six. This is a team that was one and five, and frankly, I did not think that they had it in them to make a playoff run. I, Kirk Cousins was not having a good season, and their defense was very bad, and since then, they lost Anthony Barr for the year. They never had Daniil Hunter this year. They traded Yannick Ngakwe after the sixth game when they were 1-5. and five. And Jeff Gladney stepped in nicely at corner. Cam Dantzler as well. And then uh, they've gotten some nice contributions up front from some unsung heroes like Afadi Adenabo and um, just others on that defensive line. They've really filled in nicely. You're never going to replace a guy like Daniil Hunter, but uh, Mike Zimmer is a wizard on defense, and the way he can scheme around things, he brings blitzes when he knows a quarterback struggles against pressure, and other times he can drop Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris back into coverage and try to rely now on his front four that he trusts to get some pressure. But as for this game, the Vikings did struggle with the Jags. The game went to overtime. Um... Four turnovers by the Jags, three for the Vikings, a really sloppy game. But Dan Bailey with a 23-yard field goal in overtime um, gave the Vikings a 27-24 win, and they are now in the playoffs as the seventh seed. And I think Justin Jefferson, I don't know if this is my Minnesota bias showing, but I think he deserves rookie of the year this year. I know Justin Herbert has played very well um, this season since he's, uh, took over for Tyrod Taylor in game two, but he's had two hiccups these past two weeks. And Justin Jefferson, 
I mean, outside of those first two games when the Vikings didn't target him, he's been a monster every week. He's got 61 catches this year, over 1,000 yards, which is 1,039 yards, which is fourth in the NFL, tied for 12th in touchdowns with seven, and fourth in the league with 17 yards per catch. He's a deep threat for the Vikings. Um, He's making them not miss Stephon Diggs. That was a perfect trade for both teams. Stephon Diggs is the number one for Josh Allen, who's completely taken off this season, is now a top 10, maybe top five quarterback in the league. And um, Vikings got an extra pick, which turned into Jeff Gladney, and they have Justin Jefferson, who's had a very good rookie season. So if Jeff Gladney can continue to break out, that'd be a win-win trade for both. But even if not, if Jefferson keeps playing the way he is, I think the Vikings are going to be fine. Keeping it in the NFC North with the Lions and the Bears. Um, the Bears were 5-1, and one, and now they're 5-7. and seven. They've lost six in a row. Matt Nagy is probably going to get fired at the end of the year. Maybe Ryan Pace, too. Just the Mitchell Trubisky experience hasn't worked out. And if you missed that bad on a quarterback, considering they could have had Deshaun Watson. Um, a lot of people say that they could have drafted Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, but nobody was drafting Patrick Mahomes that early. Um I thought they should have drafted Deshaun Watson. You know, he had just come off the national championship game beating Alabama through five touchdowns. Um, but the Bears were ahead 30-20 to 20 with under four minutes left in this game, and the Lions were way backed up on their own goal line. They go right down the field to make it a uh, three-point game. They decide to kick it deep because they have all three timeouts, and they stop them on first and second down. And then Trubisky drops back to pass. Lions pass rush gets home. Uh, Trubisky fumbles, recovered by the Lions inside the 10-yard line. Two Adrian Peterson rushes later, and the Lions win 34-30. to um, They now have the same record. I think the Bears are going to be in the market for a quarterback this offseason, maybe one. Um, Trubisky maybe starts next year, and then he's done but I think they do draft a quarterback. They're not going to be high enough to get Lawrence or Fields, but maybe um, they'll be middle of the first round, can get a guy like Mac Jones or even Zach Wilson from BYU. Um, but I think the Bears are done this year. They're 5-7, and seven, same as the Lions. Only a game back of the Vikings for the seventh seed, also um, tied with or just a game behind uh, San Francisco and Arizona as well, but... I do not believe in the Bears the rest of the season. Browns and Titans uh, scores 41 to 35, but the score does not reflect how this game was. It was 38 to seven at half. The Browns ran away with it. Baker Mayfield has had a phenomenal year. Four touchdowns in the first half in this one. First quarterback to do that this season. And Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield have been a match made in heaven. Um, Baker Mayfield is an elite passer in the play-action game, and that's what Kevin Stefanski loves to do. He loves to run the ball. He has two great running backs with Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. And then Baker Mayfield in play-action, he doesn't have to force the ball to Odell Beckham anymore. I think he will eventually get traded this offseason because if you look at the stats, Baker has played way better without Odell. He has Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Austin Hooper as his main weapons, and... He just goes to town in the play action. And uh, I think the Browns are serious contenders. They might even end up with the five 
and they could end up playing the Titans in the playoffs. Maybe the Colts, we'll see. Um, but I think the Browns can definitely win that game if they play the Colts or the Titans um, in the playoffs. We will see down the line. Dolphins beat the Bengals 19-7. to um, Tua improves to 5-1 and one as an NFL quarterback. No Joe Burrow in this one, so the Bengals really didn't have a shot. Um, although they did take the lead 7-0 in the first quarter on a 72-yard reception by Tyler Boyd. Um, Tyler Boyd and Xavier Howard both got ejected later in the game, and Dolphins did a really nice job covering T. Higgins in this one. And they got Miles Gaskin back as well and got Mike Gesicki back on track. He had had a couple stinkers um, in the previous weeks. Moving on to the Raiders and the Jets. The Raiders survive in this one. Derek Carr um, throws for three touchdowns, including one with five seconds left, a 46-yard bomb to Henry Ruggs for the touchdown to give him a three-point win. Um, just the Jets finding another way to lose. Um, you know, they fired Greg Williams on Monday, and Greg Williams is a guy who's going to blitz, but you don't go cover zero um, when they need 46 yards for a touchdown and they have no timeouts with 13 seconds left. He does. He, had, he also had a quarterback spy on Derek Carr, who's not like Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson or anything. Like, he's not going to run. Um, and then you put uh, your cover corner out on a one-on-one -on -one island with maybe the second fastest player in the NFL and Henry Ruggs. Did not work out. Um, probably worked out best for the Jets, not Greg Williams, but the Jets are um, – Still in position to draft Trevor Lawrence with the number one spot. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Raiders right on the cusp of the seventh seed in the AFC as well. Colts and Texans. Colts get the win 26-20. to Deshaun Watson's first game without Will Fuller, and he just had no help. Threw for 341 yards. Had a pass to Brandon Cooks that went right through his hands for an interception. Later in the game, down 26-20. to they were right on the goal line with under a minute left in the game, about to score. Terrible snap, hits Deshaun Watson in the shin, ricochets back up and uh, up towards the line of scrimmage, and the Colts get the ball, and they win the game. Um, just feel bad for Deshaun Watson. Now they play the Bears. Um, we'll see. Maybe Deshaun Watson demands a trade this year because or this offseason because they took away De DeAndre Hopkins and gave him David Johnson who's been hurt a lot of the year and been a massive disappointment um, for the Texans. Rams beat the Cardinals. The Rams are actually now the three seed in the NFC, and they lead the NFC West. They beat the Cardinals um, in this one. Jared Gosselin playing really well this year. Um, I really like what I've seen from him. Cam Akers had his coming out party in this one, two touchdowns. Um, and Jared Goff really trusts Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. He has two reliable weapons, as we saw against Tampa Bay as well. Both guys got caught over 10 passes, over 100 yards. He has Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, Josh Reynolds as well. Um, the Rams are loaded offensively, and then obviously on defense, they have guys like Aaron Donald, and then Jalen Ramsey's going to lock up your best corner. DeAndre Hopkins, only three catches in this game. He held DK Metcalf to two when they played. He's just a monster in the back end. He's the new Revis Island, in my opinion, in the NFL. The upset of the week on Sunday came in Seattle with the Giants beating the Seahawks 17-12. Giants have won 
five of six as well, like the Vikings. Um, they were a one and six football team as well. Um, didn't even have Daniel Jones in this one, but Wayne Gallman goes for over 130 yards. Um, James Bradbury holds DK Metcalf had five receptions, 80 yards, but just two catches when James Bradbury was shadowing him. Um, Giants play hard, man. They have Joe Judge, um, who's a disciple of Bill Belichick, and they've really bought into him. And, you know, it's easy to lose a locker room when you're the new guy and your team starts out one and six. But um, the Giants are now tied with Washington for the NFC East, and the Giants have beaten them twice. So they would have the tiebreaker there. Maybe only one more win would do it for the Giants. Um, But we'll see. I think they're going to host a playoff game, maybe even against Seattle. Maybe that's a rematch of that game just in New York in a couple weekends, uh, in about a month, uh, when the NFC playoffs get going. Packers beat the Eagles 30-16. to Aaron Rodgers throws for his 400th touchdown of his career. Um, him and Devontae Adams this year have been a connection like no other. Devontae Adams goes 10 receptions, 121 yards, and two more touchdowns in this one. Two of Rodgers is three. His other one to Robert Tanyan. Um, Eagles replace uh, Carson Wentz with Jalen Hurts in this one. He goes right down the field, leads a touchdown drive. Defense gets a stop. Jalen Rager punt returned for a touchdown, and the Eagles were right back in it, only down seven. But then an Aaron Jones 77-yard touchdown run on the first play of the next drive really clinched this one. Eagles going to Jalen Hurts this weekend against New Orleans. I don't really like it. Um, Doug Peterson said that it was for a spark, but the Saints defense has been playing outstanding. It's a horrible situation for Hurts to come into. Doesn't have great weapons. Has no running game. Bad offensive line against that secondary, that front four, and that pass rush. Um, I think it's a recipe for disaster for Jalen Hurts, but we shall see. Justin Herbert with his second stinker in a row against the Patriots as the Chargers lost 45 to nothing. And when you look at that, the Patriots are right in the playoff hunt in the AFC. Um, two special teams touchdowns, two Cam Newton rushing touchdowns, and uh, New England blew out the Chargers. Uh, 20 nothing and a half. Um, Justin Herbert did not get replaced. I thought he might have been at the end of the game, but... Um, and quietly, the Patriots are right back in the race. And Stephon Gilmore is back to what he was doing last year as Defensive Player of the Year. Um, shut down DeAndre Hopkins last week. This week holds Keenan Allen to five receptions, 48 yards. And Stephon Gilmore, um, just like Jalen Ramsey, being put on an island and having success. Um, the Chiefs, uh, they looked lousy all Sunday night, but they came away with a win, 22-16 to against Denver. Um... Tyreek Hill actually in the first quarter had a deep pass to him that ricocheted and then went in the air and he caught it, but they didn't know he did until after they had punted the ball because it was fourth down. Um, But Patrick Mahomes goes for over 300 yards, 130 and a touchdown to Travis Kelsey on eight receptions. Um, The Chiefs are a machine, and um, I think the Broncos may be in business for a quarterback this offseason. The Drew Locke experience just hasn't worked too much this year. I was high on him coming into this year, um, but he has just not taken that step forward that I thought he did that he would. Washington beats the Steelers in um, the co-upset of the week with the Giants. The NFC East, um, 
beating two former first-place teams. Um, Seahawks were first in their division, and the Steelers were the number one seed in the AFC. Number one team in the league, the only undefeated team in the league at 11-0. Pittsburgh really struggled with drops in this one. Deontay Johnson, Juju, and Claypool all with two drops. Steelers have no running game either, um, and that could be a thing that bites them in the playoffs. And they also have no deep passing game. They throw underneath so much, and um, we saw late in the game they need to push the ball down the field to get into position to maybe throw a Hail Mary, and they just can't. Um, And that could bite them in the butt later if they play a team like the Chiefs and get behind early. Um, But yeah, there is no undefeated team, um, but the Steelers still are the one seed. They have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Steelers, big matchup with the Bills this weekend. And speaking of the Bills, um, the scheduled Monday night football game, uh, Josh Allen throws for 375 yards and four touchdowns. As I said, I think he's a top five quarterback in the league right now. Um, Bills beat the 49ers 34-24. to um, Bills defense with Tredavious White. He's another good corner that's having an amazing season. And uh, Bills are a team that are going to be the three seed in the AFC. Um, and we'll see who they play. Last night was the Ravens and the Cowboys. Um, Cowboys just can't stop the run. You know, they've given up. They uh, allowed the Browns to run for over 300 the Cardinals ran for over 200 last night. Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins and those guys run completely wild on them. Um, Andy Dalton's doing all he can, but he has a rough shot offensive line. You know, just like four or five years ago, the Cowboys had the best offensive line in the league. Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith, and I'm forgetting who their left guard was, but they had like four or five guys make the Pro Bowl. And now, like four years later, their offensive line is in shambles. Tyron Smith can't stay healthy. Zach Martin was out for the season after the Thanksgiving game. Um, Didn't play in this one. And they just don't have much to protect Andy Dalton. Um, But we'll see um, where the Cowboys end up. Uh, I think they will end up with the third worst record in the league, or fourth maybe. Um... I think it's going to go Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then the Bengals and the Cowboys are going to be in position for that third spot. And I think that it'll uh, be Penny Sewell from Oregon for whoever gets that spot. And then Patrick Sertan at four for the other one. Both teams in need of offensive line and then also cornerback help. So we'll see what happens there. Moving on to week 14, Patriots and Rams. I'll go through these games quick. I like the Rams. I really like how Jared Goff is playing. Um, Patriots have been lackluster against the run. I think Cam Akers has another big game. Moving on to Sunday, Vikings and Buccaneers. I think this one is closer than people expect, but Tom Brady has been good against young secondaries in his career. I think he has a huge day, and I think the Bucs win a close one. Houston and Chicago. Um, I don't feel confident about this one, but I like Chicago's defense too much. Uh, Deshaun Watson just doesn't have very many weapons. And the Bears have a great pass rush and secondary. So I like the Bears in this one in a tight one. Cowboys and Bengals. This is basically for whoever. I didn't even know they played this weekend until I was just looking at the schedule. Um, I think it would benefit both teams to lose this game and get that three. uh, Try to get that third spot um, in the draft. Um, 
I do think the Cowboys will win this one. I think Andy Dalton is better than Brandon Allen, and that ends up being the difference. Plus, the Bengals don't really have a running game anymore. Joe Mixon is on IR, so I think the Cowboys win that one. And they'll probably actually get the fourth pick in the draft. Maybe trade down or take Patrick Sertan from Alabama. Um, I think four is probably too high to take a corner, so maybe trade down to seven or eight and still take him, and that'll be a good pick to go with Trevon Diggs from last year. Try to rebuild that secondary after losing Byron Jones and a couple others. Chiefs and Dolphins, I like the Chiefs in this one. Dolphins have played really well on defense, but they haven't played a team like the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, so I'll take them. Cardinals and Giants, I think the Giants are on a high after beating Seattle last week. Um, but I think Arizona comes in and gets the win there. Kyler Murray hasn't been playing great, but I think he has a bounce-back game in this one. Broncos and Panthers, neither of these teams are great, but I like Carolina because I think Teddy Bridgewater in that defense is better than Drew Locke. Titans and Jags, I like Derrick Henry to run for about 150 and two touchdowns against the Jags. Tennessee will blow them out and stay tied with Indianapolis in the AFC South. Colts... I think we'll beat the Raiders, so then that does stay a tie. Um, I just like their defense too much, and the Raiders haven't been able to stop anybody. Big games for Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines. Colts backfield has been a rotation of guys. Whoever gets the most carries, I think, has a great day there. Seahawks and Jets, this one won't be close. Seattle will win. They'll bounce back after the Giants lost. The Jets are tanking. Seattle needs to win, um, so I think they do. Packers and Lions, another game that the Packers always dominate. I think they do here as well. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams combined for, they probably get another two touchdowns through the air, and the Packers get the win. Saints and Eagles, as I said earlier, terrible spot to put Jalen Hurts, the rookie, in against that Saints secondary and pass rush front four. I like the Saints in this one big. Um, Taysom Hill, I believe, will be starting at quarterback for the Saints, not Drew Brees but he will be back next week against Kansas City. Falcons and Chargers, I like the Falcons in this one. I think this one is a shootout. Neither team with great defense. I think Justin Herbert bounces back. Matt Ryan also bounces back. Give me the Falcons in a shootout. 49ers and Washington. Give me Washington in this one, actually. Um, I like them to go a game ahead of the Giants in the NFC East. 49ers defense, um has been exposed to the run um, and the pass, well, mostly the pass over these last couple weeks. I look for a big bounce-back game from Terry McLaurin after only having three catches on Monday against Pittsburgh. And then Pittsburgh and Buffalo. I think Pittsburgh actually does bounce back. Buffalo's favored by two and a half, but I like the Steelers in this one. Um, I think Big Ben does just enough, and that receiving core bounces back and helps him out. Um, to get the win. Shoot out there as well on Sunday Night Football. And then Ravens and Browns. Uh, I'm actually going to take the Browns on this one. Ravens are getting their front four back off the COVID list, um, and they played well against Dallas. But I just really like how Baker Mayfield and that running game are playing. That combination has been lethal. As I said, Baker is the best play-action quarterback in the league right now. Um, and I think they will get the win on Monday night football against the Ravens. That game is in Cleveland. Um, I think Baker has a great game. Uh, I think a lot of people have been saying that this season is a fluke and that Baker isn't that type of quarterback. Um, 
But I think I think he has a great game, and I think Cleveland wins that one. Moving on to college basketball, um, Kansas beat Creighton seventy-two seven or seventy-three to seventy-two. Um, this game was kind of sloppy. Neither team was really making shots, um, and it looked like Kansas was going to pull away there for a while. They did not, um, but. They end up getting the win. Um, I want to talk about Creighton first for a little bit, and specifically Marcus Zagorowski. I know he missed the free throw at the end, but Creighton just plays with that extra pace, and they play with an extra notch to their game when he's on the floor. And he only he played 37 of the 40 minutes in this one, sat out three minutes, and in that time, Creighton was outscored 13-3. to um, They're going to have to find a way to learn how to play without Marcus Zagorowski on the floor um, in close games against good teams like Kansas when it comes later against teams like Villanova or even as we get into the tournament. Um, they just don't have that ball handler like they did last year with Tyshawn Alexander. You could always have Alexander or Zagorowski on the court and feel good about it. Um, but this year they don't have that guy. They have great shooters with Balak, Jefferson, Mahoney, and even Christian Bishop but they don't have a guy to get them into sets. And Kansas's defense with Jalen Wilson and uh, Marcus Garrett really disrupted Creighton in this game. And then on the Kansas side, I really liked what I saw from Jalen Wilson, 23-10 and 10 in this one on 8 of 12 shooting. He was really efficient from the field. He hit that late three to put them up three um, in that game. I know he had the foul at the end, but... Uh, coming out party for Jalen Wilson in that one, and I really liked what I saw from him. Going to Illinois, Duke, Illinois. Uh, number six, Illinois beat number 10, Duke, 83-68. to 68. Um, This looked like it was going to be a blowout all game. Um, the score did not reflect how close the game actually was, but Illinois actually jumped out to a 14-2 lead, and it looked like they were going to blow out Duke um, in this one. Duke fought back all game. Um, they could never get it under that 7-8 mark. They kept getting it there, and then Illinois would keep them at that arm's length and get back up to 15. Duke would make another run, but Illinois just had an answer all night, and I really like this Illinois team. I think they're a lock to finish in the top three in the Big Ten. Um, they're that good of a team. Um, last few years under Brad Underwood, Illinois has really bought in on the defensive end. And they do not give up easy baskets, and you do not have easy offensive possessions. Um, Iowa's a team that uh, we saw last night. They have so much firepower. And Illinois, both games last year, held Iowa under 70 points. Um, so they're a team that can stop the elite of the elite on the offensive end, held Baylor to uh, under their season average this season as well. And then on offense, they just have such balanced scoring. You know, it can be an Io night. It can be a Miller night, Dosumu, Bashanashvili as well. Um, and then if they're in a close game, Io Dosumu is one of the best closers in the nation, um, and he can take over games and put Illinois on his back if he needs to. Um, so I really like Illinois, and they got the win in this one. And then Iowa, number three Iowa, beat number 16 North Carolina 93-80. to Um you know, there's two ways to beat Iowa. You can either contain Luca Garza and risk the Iowa supporting cast going off, and that's what North Carolina chose to do. 
or you can let Luca Garza get his and stop the supporting cast. Well, if you choose the first one, which is stop Luca Garza, Iowa's supporting cast needs to step up. And they did last night. Joe Wieskamp, 19 points on 5 of 7 shooting from 3. C.J. Frederick, 21 points on 5 of 7 shooting from 3. And then Joe Wieskamp, seven, or not Joe Wieskamp, uh, Jordan Bohannon, 7 of 16 shooting from 3, 24 points. Iowa's supporting cast was huge last night. Um, Iowa has the most elite offense in college basketball outside of Gonzaga. Um, they struggle on the defensive end, but this is a team that's going to average 80 to 85 points every night and just because they're that good. And you can't let Iowa shoot, man. you got to make Iowa beat you on the dribble drive because if you don't, Iowa will torch you from three, and they did last night to North Carolina, going up 25-9 to nine early in the first half um, before North Carolina finally figured out, we got to pressure these guys out. They pressured Iowa more out toward half court. But Iowa still made 17 threes in this game, which was an ACC Big Ten Challenge record. Ten in the first half. Um, and in that first half, Iowa was up 12, despite the really fast start going up 16 there early in the first, like, six minutes of the game. They made uh, five of seven threes. And then early in the second half, um, North Carolina punched Iowa in the mouth. Um and I wanted to see what Iowa was made of. This was a really good early test for Iowa to see where they were at. Is Iowa a legit national championship contender, or are they more of an overrated team? And Iowa really answered the call. You know, they got punched in the mouth by North Carolina early in the second half, as I saw. And then it was a nip-and-tuck game there for a while. Um, and then Iowa went on a 14 nothing run. And Luca Garza did not have the best of games. He still put up 16 and 14, but was not efficient shooting, 7 of 20 from the field. I thought North Carolina Bigs did a great job of bothering him all night. Um, but in that 14 to nothing run by Iowa, Luca Garza had 11 points on 3 of 4 shooting. And he was efficient. And when Iowa needed him most, he answered the call. And, you know, he didn't have the best of games, as I said, but. Uh, he was there, and this was a really good game for Iowa, and I really liked what I saw from them. I think Iowa is a challenger in the Big Ten to win the conference and potentially be a Final Four team um, based on their offense. They need to get better on defense, but I really liked what I saw from Iowa last night um, on the offensive end, scoring 93 points against what Ken Palm projected as a top 15 defense in college basketball. As I said, Luca Garza is not going to face a collection of bigs like North Carolina's last night. They have four guys over 6'10". North Carolina's extremely long. And I think North Carolina, they had a horrible year last year. Last in the ACC um, for the first time under Roy Williams. This year, they have great length in the front court. Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, both five-star freshman guards. I think they played really well last night. Um, and I think they'll continue to get better and better as the year goes on. And I think North Carolina finishes top four in the ACC. And then on Iowa's end, I think they're going to finish top four in the Big Ten as well. Um, and I think they'll get about a three or four seed in the uh, NCAA tournament. But um, I think that's going to do it for me here on the Delperding Sports Report. Um, until next time, take it easy.